Today's episode is brought to you by... Welcome to Cover to Cover Presents Live with Matt and Derek. I'm Derek. And I'm Matt. How are you today, Derek? We're recording on this beautiful Saturday morning. Yeah, it is it is a Saturday morning where we are. Um, a little behind the scenes there. Uh, this comes out on, uh, the show comes out on Tuesdays and we tape the show on Saturdays. So, uh and then we edit on Sunday, and then we have all day on Monday to uh, regret the show. Yeah, um, ponder yeah, it a bit. Yeah, a whole weekday to to think about what we did and and the mistakes that we made, um, and then be okay with them before we release them to you, the the lovely people. Is it safe to say we meditate on this episode before it drops, before it's published? How does this, how, do, how what is what is your mental headspace like on Monday? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Derek, um, what are you drinking this morning? I'm drinking coffee. I'm drinking cold brew coffee. Um, it's cold brew. I don't make it myself because I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. That's not true. I do have time. I have made cold brew myself. It's uh, just so much easier to buy it. Uh, do you drink it black or do you add any I add sort some, of some creamer to it um some uh-huh. soy ah. vanilla creamer i make it taste like a delicious um like, like a protein like, shake mm, it kind of just ends up tasting like a vanilla frappuccino it's very yeah. sweet what what is this podcast let's talk about what this podcast is what is um, this podcast? Well, this is episode two of this live. Is episode two of live. Yeah, uh, this is a mini series um, presented by Cover to Cover Conversations. Cover to Cover Conversations is a podcast um, hosted by Mr. Matt Tarka, right there, um, sitting right across the internet from me. Um, and uh, he, every week, he and a guest uh, discuss. Uh, typically an album sometimes a band but typically an album uh, that has a a personal meaning to that guest and you dissect it Uh, I have sat down with you on your show and we discussed uh, the get up kids guilt show Um, it was a very fun time and I feel like our runtime on that episode was um, about two hours too long for a oh, easily cover to cover easily and and it got whittled down to about an hour and a half believe it or not <laughs> and we had an remember we had just a little addition because there was a development in the band and we felt like you mm-hmm. know we needed to to just to just give a casual mention to it yeah it's, we taped uh, we taped yeah. like, like a two and a half hour show and i was like that was really fun thanks matt and then like a week later um james left the band and it was like, hey, we should talk about that because we didn't talk about it before and there's time. And then it was like, we did another 45 minutes. <laughs> like, just <Yeah>. like... <laughs> <laughs> um, And, you know, this this show, you you decided uh, to be gracious. Uh, you were going to take a break in April, a little spring break. Uh, and you decided to utilize your time uh, for this. And um, I appreciate that. Uh, you sacrificing your spring break to be on uh, our show. I was going to say my show, but it's it's become our show now. I hope you realize. Yeah, this it's a four part mini series on dissecting the importance of live music on live TV music. or yeah or, or going to a club and what that experience is like and pivotal moments in recorded music history. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And like, as this evolves uh, sort of naturally over the course of uh, the weeks that we've been talking about it, um, 
it initially started as a podcast that was just going to focus on live albums. And so we decided episode one, we're going to talk about recording in general and did a little bit of research and realized that recording in general is like, if we want to do a deep dive into recording, that's, that's a 12 part mini series in and of itself. Like just the history of early recording and advancements in recording and what that led to even up to where we left off last episode, which was like the early fifties, early to mid fifties. Um, and then that opened up a whole bunch of other doors and we explored a lot of live records. We explored a lot of live concerts. We explored a lot of live events, uh, festivals. And then that led to a discussion about live performances on television and radio and, uh, you know, important uh, historical moments in live history. And that just kind of opened up a whole lot more doors. And, we also sort of realized that at, at its heart, uh, this show is sort of just a discussion about uh, us. <laughs> that's um, yeah, that's right. Like it's it's a it's sort of just a personal discussion between two people about our experiences, and like we weren't alive in the eighteen hundreds or the forties or the fifties or the sixties or the eighties. I mean, well, we were alive in the eighties. But were we cognizant of what was happening? I think we were cognizant of what was happening vis-a-vis our parental units, Mm. if you will. You know, little snippets of their childhood were passed down to us. And I don't know, at least I was sort of made to believe that this was, you know, this could be my shared experiences as well. Because it was really just hammered home how important, say the Beatles appearance was on the Ed Sullivan show in 1964. Right. Which, you know, that was, that was a real touchstone for the baby boomer generation. But I mean, prior to the Beatles, the advent of television, you know, happened sometime in the early fifties. But let's say it was popularized. When was it popularized? Fifties? When? Sixties? Yeah. I I would say the fifties, you know? I mean, people had televisions in the forties. Yeah, but popular popular culture was really being shaped quite a bit by television in the 50s. Yeah. Um I mean you had TV shows like My Three Sons, um Honeymooners, Honeymooners, I Love Lucy, Ozzy and Harriet. Yeah. You know, there was just this real kind of like folksy vibe to many TV shows that you would experience on your you know, on one of probably two or three stations at that point in time. Oh, sure. And there were also a lot of shows that started on the radio that went to television, you know, like the Lone Ranger and like Jack Benny and uh, like Dragnet, George Burns. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, Ozzy and Harriet. And I mean, like even, even Superman, like Superman started as a, as a radio serial and then it became a television show the adventures of superman i think it was 1952 to 1958 okay um, yeah like television was a huge deal and and that was no different for music you had landmark performances the ed sullivan show was a big one the ed sullivan show is per- probably the biggest one i mean like yeah. the ed sullivan show like is like to the fifties, what I would say Saturday night live was to maybe like the seventies, eighties now even. Oh yeah. That was your go-to spot for music to discover new artists. Just like Saturday night live was a go-to spot from a TV point of view to discover comedic actors, physical comedy. I mean, I would, I would even go as far as to say that like the Ed Sullivan show was bigger than even like the tonight show turned out to be, I mean, the tonight show is landmark and massive, but like the Ed Sullivan show has this, just this weight to it. And I mean, he was just ingrained in our pop culture. They wrote a song yeah. about him in bye bye birdie. Like he was in musicals and he wasn't yeah. even in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you think it was a contrast to personalities, you know, with, you know, guys like 
Ed Sullivan and Jack Parr, who hosted The Tonight Show before Johnny Carson took over, where they, you know, a guy like Jack Parr treated it more like a talk show format, but maybe Ed Sullivan recognized the power of a TV uh, medium, and he was familiar with what was happening in, you know, perhaps uh, the beatnik scene in Greenwich Village in the late 50s, early 60s, and wanted to bring some of that music to the fore. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, let, all right, let's go back and let's talk. About I know that's like, that we're going a little off track here, but that's, that's that's yeah, you're getting into the into the 60s a little bit. Uh, let's go back and talk about the 50s a little bit more, because like let's you mentioned the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. But I mean, before that, even um, you had like Elvis on the Ed Sullivan yeah. show. 1956. Um, that same year, Maria Callas, uh, she made her television debut on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, and even looking ahead, like so many other bands, like let's get into the sixties. I mean, so many bands, even after the Beatles, like the doors performed on the sure. Ed Sullivan show. And that was a controversial performance, uh, because of one specific lyric in there that was considered very risque and provocative. And it just, it, it sort of alluded to, drug culture by saying girl we couldn't get much higher and jim morrison kind of bucked the system by saying the word higher instead of changing the word for live television yeah that was a big thing it was immortalized in oliver stone's movie decades later but that was uh that was that was the band basically saying this is who we are we're not deviating from what television or you know society expects from us right this is this is the song. This is this is how we want to perform and execute it. <laughs> you know? Oh god. And like that's that's I think that's what this show is about. Okay. So we were talking earlier about like what we were sort of going for. It's that. And I feel like last episode we were sort of dancing around that topic and it was like what's the thesis here? And the thesis is like that live energy, that live flair that you can only really get like seeing a person face to face in a room and like feeling like the air hit you just right and feeling the bass like bounce your chest like like you know you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. that massive Mm -hmm. live feeling and and that energy was was not not exactly replicated but at least like imitated and and was able to be experienced in part through recorded performances and and the importance of these performances is sort of what i guess we're trying to hammer home um and camaraderie between musicians in some cases too like we were talking earlier about the judy garland show yeah and judy being such a tremendously powerful movie star for several decades at this point and her being willing to share the stage and help other people discover uh, such a wide-ranging talent like Barbara Streisand. Oh my God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Was she right? Nineteen sixty-three. Her to the yeah. world on her show. That's right. Yeah, and she was in her twenties, I believe. Yeah, and that was That's... kind of a big deal to get that sort of kudos, right, from such a major movie star like that because some people can be really reluctant to say hey i think this is a tremendous talent because they're protective of their own identity yeah or their own their own stardom they don't want somebody to usurp their power in <laughs> entertainment circles i would imagine and i feel like a lot of a lot of people regard that as like a torch passing moment um especially in in, in judy's career um and i wouldn't necessarily say that it wasn't because I don't want to take anything away from Barbara because she went on to have the most insane career. <laughs> no question. Yeah. It's, she's undoubtedly uh, just deserve, deserve it of so much. She's so talented and, and just such an incredible performer and, and person uh, and hilarious. And even, even her, even her acting career is anyway, let's not, Let's not gab about about Barbara. <laughs> oh my god, Barbara. Oh, I love you, Barbara. That's my that's that's my interpretation of like everyone 
when I was growing up, just like into her was just like that. Just like, I don't know, like burnt out, like New York. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like three pack a day. <laughs> oh, she's, well, she, she's just an angel. She's got a lovely singing voice. <laughs> what, what I hear that Derek, I immediately, my mind immediately goes to that character from Saturday night live from yesteryear, Linda Richmond's coffee talk oh my God. <laughs> played by Mike Myers. And <laughs> eventually Barbara Streisand made it on to that fictitious. Oh <laughs> my God. Show. Yes. Remember that? I feel yeah. like that's sort of where I'm getting that from. Maybe because that was such a, that's such a, an impactful show. I mean, like, uh, let's talk about SNL for a minute. Like, you want to talk about live television performances? Good yeah. God! I mean, like Mike Myers alone with just Wayne's World, like that that character of of Wayne and Garth, like those characters went on to to be stars of two very successful movies, the Wayne's World mm-hmm. movies, which are just you know enjoy they're just they're live concerts they're just live concerts the whole those whole movies are just like celebrating rock and live music and and that experience like it opens the first movie opens with them headbanging to queen and it's right. it's such an iconic moment in in film history uh and it's an iconic moment in music history because it sort of immortalizes queen as <laughs> like these just permanent rock gods and like and also from what i understand uh freddie got a chance to see that scene before he passed and like loved it um no one other um one other act that was immortalized in that first wayne's world was alice cooper yeah alice cooper got reintroduced to a completely different set of fans millie wake the good land but that, but that immortalized the idea of meeting one of your musical heroes backstage. Hey, folks, Derek here. Just uh, taking a moment to talk to you about our sponsor today, Nobody. That's right, Nobody. We don't have any sponsors here on Cover to Cover Presents Live. And if it's somehow the future and we somehow do have sponsors, then uh, I look like an idiot. <laughs> Um, But we do hope that you appreciate us keeping this show commercial-free for your enjoyment. And uh, now, back to the show that I just rudely interrupted with my pointless commercial. By the way, what do you guys think of this jazz music? It's making me sleepy. Hey folks, you're listening to Cover to Cover Presents Live with Matt and Derek, uh, where we are talking about the impact of, at this point, the impact of Saturday Night Live uh, on culture, I guess. Uh, And we were just talking about Wayne's World and how important that was, uh, bouncing off a coffee talk uh, with Linda Richman. Uh, Talk amongst yourselves. And this emanated back to Barbara Streisand. So we're kind of straddling between a couple of decades here. Derek, I think it's I think I think we might want to just kind of take take a couple of decades backwards from the early nineties and talk about Saturday Night Live's impact when they began in the mid seventies and the kinds of artists that they either reunited or, you know, helped careers lift off if you will i mean if you want to talk about reuniting let's talk about literally saturday night live's second episode which their musical guest was paul simon and art garfunkel and paul simon had uh, you know undeniably uh, a stellar career into the 80s mm-hmm mm-hmm and they reun- they reunited a handful of times after that Saturday Night Live performance. There was a there's a great one. Uh, it was a free concert live in Central Park in New York City in either eighty one or eighty two. Mm-hmm. Um, and they showed it. I guess they showed the world that they still had the chops. Um, but that or was they, pivotal. They did a they did a reunion. Um, 
I don't know if it was a reunion necessarily, but it was like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds right. Maybe 93 ish because Paul Simon was out solo in the late nineties. And from what I remember, I, I caught him when he was playing shows or touring portions of the U S with Bob Dylan of yeah. all people. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they, cause I remember being very, very young and like, definitely like, like, he, like my parents talking about them, like having just like a, like a famous rift between them, like a, like a Ramones level, like hatred. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is that? Like why I, I think there's, there's a thing there. Like there's like a, there's like a tumultuous resentment always between like the best, like, I guess, co co-writers, uh, co-performers, um, bandmates like the best bands in the world have the most epic rivalries oasis like (laughs) probably being like the the you know the most fraternal um (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh you know and then and then there's bands like like green day where they're just like they're all they're all just buds they just hang out all right all the time and it's like how how have you done that how have you been best friends for Years and years and years, like 40 years, 50 years. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And still, I wonder how much is manufactured versus, you know, arguments over songwriting credit. I mean, I just, I feel like in, in a lot of those projects, like you just kind of have to like know your place. Like it's a job. Like you just show up like I'm the drummer. I'm here to drum. I play the beats. I'll write the beats. But like, you know, I get that kind of thing unless you, unless it's gotta, unless this thing has to make or break the part, in which case, you know, usually that boils down to a producer, you know, idea anyway. And, and, you know, songwriter, yeah. I guess it depends on who gets final say it's complicated. Oh my God. There's a whole bunch Always. of ways. It's, it's different. It, de- it depends on everyone's contract. It depends on everyone's whatever. But in my, in my personal experience as a, as a songwriter who has been in that, in that situation where like I'm in the studio with other people, um like i've always tried to to be diplomatic about it like if everyone loves a part and i'm just like i hate it but everyone else is like it's cool like (laughs) i'll live i'll live with it for a bit before i make any final decisions maybe it'll grow on me who knows but if if it's like i can't and i have to put my foot down like i'm a songwriter it's my song. Like if you think it sounds better, you know, I'll sell it to you and you can record Mm -hmm. it like that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But why don't, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Why don't we go back to sorry some, no, 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 no. I get tangenty. I'm I'm going to have a little bit of more of this, uh, this delicious cold brew coffee, cold brew. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by the smooth taste of cold brew coffee Mm. do you wake up in the morning of course you do what do you do you reach for a delicious cup of cold brew coffee that's right cold brew what brand it doesn't matter what brand it's fucking coffee Mm. what we need sponsors (laughs) you're ridiculous dude (laughs) should just contact already no i have to now i have to bleep out their name because they're not a sponsor and we can't talk about you brought up you brought up too you're gonna have some work cut Stop out for saying brand editing. names you're giving me so much work to do later. Oh my God. <laughs> why don't you just throw out Nike while you're at it why don't you just throw out <laughs> man? why don't oh, you just, just throw out the yeah. Let's just, yeah say a bunch more say a bunch more slogans too because no one's gonna hear what there's just gonna be a bunch of beeps just are you happy oh come on man are you happy are you happy that this show is now just nothing but beeps Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beep Show. Welcome to Beepy to Beep presents Beep with Beep. I'm Derek. Beep. I'm yeah. Beep, and that's Beep, and we're Beep. Beep. I'm gonna have another delicious sip of this Beep, beep coffee. Mmm, delicious Beep Beep coffee. Do you wake up in the morning and reach for a pack of cigarettes? Of course you don't, because you have Beep Beep coffee. You crazy. <sighs> yeah, okay, so SNL was huge. 
no one is doubting that. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, obviously, we talked about that. Are there controversies that we could like bring up about Elvis Presley where video cameras would not film him completely, 100%? Uh, they, could, they would only film him from the waist right, up. Right, 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 because of his, his satanic, satanic dance, dance moves. He's going to sell right. sex to the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did. He sold sex to the children, and that's why we lost Vietnam. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk more about music and what we like about it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening in the sixties and seventies, and there's a lot of demonstrations. There's a lot of political unrest, a lot of protesting, a lot of wars happening because you have Vietnam, and mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who you know, are, are sort of getting behind these causes with their music and performing for people to change minds. Like they're taking the live show and taking the performative aspect and and some of the theatrics about it and they're stripping it away, sort of removing that fourth wall a little bit. And, and it, it, a lot of people didn't know what to make of it. And, and, and it was really controversial because they were using rock music, pop music, which was music regarded by a lot of religious movements as satanic and, and trying to change minds of young people to stop thinking like these stuffy fuckers, just these stuffy fuckers. <laughs> that's all, that's all I can say. And it it led to some of the the best intentioned gatherings of people and some of the most epic intentional or unintentional performances in in music history. I, I, I was I'm sort of like getting on I don't want to get too deep into this thought. Because this is sort of getting into the concept of festivals and and live shows, and I really want to talk about that in episode three. You want to wait to talk about festivals in episode three. I want to okay. wait to talk about festivals and live shows in episode three, and I really just kind of want to focus on 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 televised music, radio, uh, okay. you know, like live live experiencing live music at home, a recorded, uh, you know, after the fact live music experience. Um, okay. But we can bring it back around next week. So stick around if you're if you're curious about where that's going. I, I I'm I'm sorry to cut off the tangent. I just <laughs> no no, it's all good. It's it's a it's a logical conclusion that we're sort of like working out here because we're sort of trying to like work out this thesis about like what is driving us to see live performances. Is it just boredom? Are we just bored? Like do we just need something to do, or is it more than that? Is are we do we need a reason to? to 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 change the world that we're in is it that important or is it a little more like i don't know tertiary like entertainment i f- i i wonder if there was a need at this point where you're experiencing you're experiencing thoughts and ideas through music through your television and people are perhaps not feeling as alienated as they used to maybe they've thought certain things all along but there are people now where they're not just getting the audio or the visual or the audio, excuse me, but they're also getting some sort of visual, you know, aspect of things. You're not just and getting the thing that you didn't know that you were getting, but you're also getting right. the thing that you know that you didn't know that you're getting, you know? That's, you, you nailed the head. Well, I nailed the head. I nailed, nailed the, the hat. Nail the head on the hat. Nailed the, nailed hat. the head on the blah, blah, I put blah, a hat blah, on blah. a hat. I tend to do that. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Putting hats on hats since 1986. So like we we were talking about SNL, we were talking about kind of TV. I don't think we really talked about a lot of like um like talk shows, but that's also like a really big one uh for for bands uh and and live performances. Um I've I know that I've personally seen a lot of uh just insane things on like i mean like most recently snl i want to say like the best performance i've I've seen in years was uh did you catch uh childish gambino uh donald glover on snl when he did uh this is america was this 2019 uh 18 i want to say 
but like that's 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 the recent but like here on the show we like to we like to talk about um personal things as well because your podcast is all about uh cover to cover conversations is all about um personal experiences with uh albums or bands and um so we have a little segment that we'd like to do on the show about uh our personal uh things called let's get personal and we are queuing up the theme music now and that was lovely theme music um wasn't that lovely theme music matt lovely there was a stillness in the air lovely theme music for let's get personal on cover to cover presents live with matt and derek uh let's get personal matt uh last time we talked about our early concert experiences but do you have any formative television performances that you have experienced uh in your lifetime well as a matter of fact yes i do i can give you i could think of two that come to mind right away that were real pivotal and one of those being part of the uh being part of i suppose generation x uh one of those (laughs) one of those people are you are you an old are you one of i'm an old Okay. I'm one of those olds. I'm one of those forgotten Fam, generation uh, people. For uh, FYI, Matt is not lit like the rest of us, so um, no. don't don't ye for him. Type. Don't put a fire emoticon behind my name. I won't see it. I won't know what you're talking about. But my favorite. <laughs> that's my not favorite. Fire. That's not fire. That's not being lit. <clears throat> I would imagine either. I love that band. Man, I'm out, mount, 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 mount. Anyway. That's lit. Lit. Can huh. you forget about the things I said when I was drunk? You know that. You know that song. I know that song. Please I didn't realize it was lit. Yeah, the band's called Lit. Na, 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 Not to be confused with with Len, na, which was "If You Steal My Sunshine." Do do do. That's Len, not oh Lit. Sorry, I cut you off again. Go ahead. No, you like to do that. It's okay. <laughs> I don't like to do it. I love it. It's it's gratifying. No, my my favorite uh, TV performances are probably watching Green Day on the David Letterman show in 1995. This would have been when their record Insomniac had just come out in record stores. And they performed a song called 86. And at the time, they were still performing as that quintessential trio of Billy Joe, Mike, and Trey. Mm. And... um, I I mean I love that particular song because it was really a direct autobiographical reaction to things that they were experiencing in their own punk community with 924 Gilman Street but what made me really just smile and laugh was not just how fast they played that song but Trey discovered there was some sort of little, you could say, uh, a body of water behind the stage, and he jumped into it like it was a little aquarium after he finished playing, and that just that just made me laugh my ass off because these guys were speaking about something that was really serious to them, but they had, you know, th- they had the ability to just basically just say, you know, just f it, yeah. and I'm I'm just gonna jump in the water and just act like, you know, the the crazy like, Tom fools. Crazy- Tom Foles, Tom Foles. Yeah. So just seeing Trey Cole do that made me laugh. It made David Letterman laugh, made Paul Schaefer just look over like, what the hell is happening right now? So, and like, if you definitely if you Green Day watched, in 86, say that again. I said definitely Green Day and when they performed 86. And, and if you, and if you watched Letterman um, growing up, you know that he always commented on the drummer. He, he loved drummers and Trey Cole is. Uh, one of his favorite drummers of all time. Yes. My other one would be anything that has to do with Nirvana's MTV Unplugged performance from 93. Mm. That had a serious just impact on the way that I tried to approach my own stagecraft. That that whole Unplugged series as a whole just made me want to see what I could, you know, do in a very sort of minimalized setting yeah because that was that was like the first time in my life where i ever heard like a mashup of like the most angry aggressive bombastic just (sighs) wall of noise Mm -hmm. music i've ever heard toned down and reorchestrated and reimagined in a way that is is just like 
it like it still has the fire but it's so chill (laughs) yes it sounds so good it was just the quality it was so warm and like the his guitar sounded great and and like the bass was awesome and the drums are great and that cello and the uh-huh. oh my god and it's yeah it's, dave girl playing with brushes instead of sticks and, just i don't know that was tasteful and, for and, for and pat's guitar was epic and like everyone everyone was amazing in that that was and that was a big album like oh yeah we haven't even really talked about live albums yet we're gonna get to that don't you worry folks stick around Mm -hmm. that was a that was a taste test that was a or a tease Mm. how did it taste like penny royalty like penny royalty quality mouthfeel aftertaste subtle yet refreshing what about you derek what are uh what are two tv shows that really have just grabbed you and influenced you or your work i I would have to say there's probably there's at least 500 um from saturday night live and i don't want to talk about all of them so i'll just talk about 460 of them so the first one you guys got a minute sit back so the first one uh is that not a good joke should i not roll with that so the first one that's great. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to talk about Saturday Night Live, even though there are so many performances that I love from that show. Um, but I am going to give a little bit of love. You threw up a little bit of David Letterman, and I'm uh, I'm not saying like you threw like you threw him like David Letterman, but like um, I want to talk about talk shows. And when I was growing up, there were there was a just a noticeable difference in sound quality between the talk shows like you'd hear you'd hear bands on letterman you'd hear bands on leno you'd hear bands on conan you'd hear bands on snl uh they all sounded different and like like some sometimes like if i'm watching like leno and green day is gonna be on leno I know what it's going to sound like. It's going to sound muddy and like the guitar is going to sound kind of distant and weird, even though it's supposed to be huge and it's going to feel like it's overblown and there's going to be like flat bass, but somehow it's too loud. And like the drums are going to be just like in your face and the vocals are going to be buried and it's going to sound all the time. Every time I hated it. That's just my opinion. If you disagree with me, you're entitled to that. That you're you're probably right. I'm probably wrong. Shut up. Um, I don't want to hear about it. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Write us uh, um a message on the Twitter uh, at cover two cover live. Uh, that is the number two cover the number two uh cover cover two cover live uh on the instagram and the twitter and let us know if you liked the sound of bands on leno uh but i didn't i always loved the sounds of the bands on conan i thought that they always sounded the best uh and i have two really formative performances from conan and oddly enough neither of them are green day um one of them was the promise ring uh hmm. when they yeah. in 2003 they released woodwater and they performed uh become one anything one time on conan and it nice was awesome they sounded great uh it was my first time seeing them i had heard of them uh mm-hmm. Like I, I, I liked their records, um, but it was my first time like really seeing them perform and it was, and it was such a different sound for them and such a different direction, uh, for their music. Uh, and I loved it. I was all about it. And I remember a lot of people being like, it's lame. It's not the same It's got an acoustic guitar. And I'm like, it's pretty good it's okay to be pretty right yeah it is matt you know how to be pretty 
I do my best. Tell the fine folks at home how you stay so so pretty, so fresh and so pretty pretty. Soap and water, kids. And baking soda. <laughs> what do you use baking soda for? On my teeth. Really? Uh-huh. You don't just use toothpaste and... I do, but good, but good toothpaste has baking soda in it. Right. Or folks. Right, but you don't buy the toothpaste <laughs> that has the baking soda already in it? No, I do. It's just this one happens to be uh, caked with extra baking soda. Like you add extra on it? Or No, just... This 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 formula of uh, toothpaste has little extra baking soda for some All reason. Right, this is now a podcast about toothpaste because I'm I'm really curious about what's going on there. What is <laughs> happening? But you can use regular baking soda as a substitute if you're out of toothpaste. You can use <laughs> for a substitute if you're out of toothpaste. Oh my god! Or Product placement all over the <laughs> place. <laughs> Um, the second performance on Conan that I would like to talk about, um, and this is, this is the NBC Conan, like back in the day, Conan, like way back, like two thousands Conan, early two thousands Conan, obviously. Um, and, uh, I want to talk about the get up kids, um, performing, uh, stay gone from on a wire. Yeah. Uh, on Conan. And also amazing sound um my first time uh seeing them with the new new guitar setup matt had a a, a, a es335 like a red es335 um i think that was the debut of like his his hollow body uh time uh-huh. period because i think before that he played telecasters um i think they were just all telecasters um and then he just shows up with this red semi hollow like <laughs> beautiful guitar um james's hair is in his face it's it's the best it was it was such an epic performance and and it was my first exposure to that record because i hadn't heard anything from it and i was like so excited about it because it was such a high energy song and it sounded really good on Conan and like, like Ryan's drums are great. And like just everything about it is great. I'm just going to, I should watch it again right now. Cause it's so good. Um, So that was my first time hearing that song. Uh, because I hadn't heard the record yet. And then I got the record on a wire and it was so different and I did not like it as we discussed on the episode of cover to cover conversations that I did with you, which was episode seven. Um, So there's a little plug for you on there. I would say go down in the, uh, in the description and we will put a link to that. But um you can also just scroll down to the episodes and check out episode seven. And while you're at it, check out episode one, two, three, four, five, and six, and then seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just gonna keep naming numbers. Listen to all of them is what I'm saying. What else are you doing? You're stuck at home. You're not getting people sick because you're washing your hands. You're staying the fuck home. And you are avoiding contact with any other human being because you are a sane individual and you are doing your part. Thank you. Um, that was my experience. Did you want to talk about any personal experiences? Have you ever had any personal experiences with television? Have you ever been on television? I have been on television. Um, I guess it was, it was last year actually, um, performed on ABC's, Good day, PA, or good day, Pennsylvania. Um, right before Good Morning America, kind of a, a a local bit, and uh, I was I was on there because had an opportunity to play a tune off of my most recent EP, Vision Hazy, which came out in two thousand two thousand and seventeen, mm-hmm. and uh, that was tons of fun. Played solo acoustic and just had a chance to, you know talk about a music conference that I was going to and just talk about, you know, just how much fun I had in the recording studio. So it was, uh, that was pretty cool. 
Wow. You have to wake up really early in the morning. I watched all the dynamics at play between uh, producers and whatnot and, and who anchors the show and just what it takes to put on an hour TV program of that caliber. So I, I had a lot of fun. Mm. It was cool. It's kind of like a variety morning that they were doing. There was a, I think there was a baseball card collector. There was somebody talking about ways that you could essentially reorganize your life and different filing systems. And then, you know, I was kind of the de facto musical guest that they had on, on their hour show. So I had a ton of fun. I've, I've, it was fun. I've done that. I've yeah. been that. Um, yeah. mine, mine's a little worse worse and better better and worse um my my first band uh we were called self-titled self-titled um you can find us on itunes still um we have i think two records on there and then anything else is not us um but uh we were asked to perform uh at a uh 9-11 red cross benefit um this is like a couple of days this is probably like september 14th we were asked uh-huh. uh and uh it was uh we we went to i think like my piano teacher's friend was doing it or something and so she asked us if if my band would perform her televised uh tell it was like a telethon right you like raise money and like you have like the numbers and it's like we've raised this much we're on the phones like one of those things yeah telethon and uh but here's the weird thing it was pre-recorded oh Uh uh-huh so we watched it the next morning and they were saying call the number donate we're here. We're on the phone. Thank you for calling. We we've raised this much money, and it's like, how are what? Did you did you like get donations ahead of time when you did that? Like, how does that work? And I we had all kinds weird. of weird questions. But anyway, uh, we we uh, followed a Boy Scout troop, and we opened uh-huh. and we opened for a magician. Um, that is eclectic. We played four songs uh-huh uh i believe they had a couple of like a th- two or three cameras on us it was in a lecture hall at a car at, at like george mason um and uh we were like set up at the bottom of this lecture hall and there were like 12 people in the audience including our parents and like cameras at the tops of the of the like you know tiered seating and like you know we were playing our music and we were all like 15 and it was (laughs) it was so weird and so embarrassing and and so like just cheap looking and bad quality it looked like it was sweeted. Like we watched it the next day and it looked like there were like, like tracking lines in the, in like the footage and <laughs> like you could see like timestamps and like all of a sudden my guitar was replaced with like cardboard and <laughs> like, I think like half the audio didn't work and like, like everything was in mono and like, like, like Ryan would play a solo, but it would just sound like, you know like <laughs> yeah yeah like real muted like yeah. yeah and then my guitar is like like so loud um and there was this one one point in the performance and i will never forget it because i'm the worst human being ever i was 15 um and i'm still the worst human being i'm 34 now i was 15 then I'm still the worst human being ever because of this. There was an old woman in the front and we were about to play a song that I had written months ago. And for some stupid reason, I decided I'm going to come across like real heroic and I'm going to lie about writing a song about 9-11. <laughs> right? Because that's Mm -hmm. a smart thing to do. That's what a good person does. So I said on the mic, I wrote this song in my basement uh, when I was watching the towers. 
um, and this and this old woman in the front row like held her arms up <laughs> and did that like cheer thing where like you hold your fists on either side of your head and like did that and she was like 96 <laughs> and I was inspiring so much like hope in her with my made up on the spot stage banter lie um and i felt like the biggest piece of trash in the world at that exact moment <laughs> on camera Jeez. uh and then i got to watch that happen again the next morning <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the phone with all of my friends in the neighborhood like oh, oh we saw you you were so good uh-huh oh god <laughs> mm. and from then on he only did good, good things. things have you captured this this uh moment in tv history for posterity somewhere god no uh it's I think not my, i think my parents have it okay <laughs> you know? It's not on. It's is it on like a DVD or something? Uh, I and, hope not. No. Or did somebody put it on YouTube? I'm sure it's on like a VHS somewhere in my parents' house, <laughs> like collecting dust. Um, I'm sure half of it was like taped over to, like tape like a like a Spalding Gray TV special or something. <laughs> I don't know. Parents be parents, I yo. Don't know. Um. Yeah. Well, that's the show. That's episode two. Two in the bag. Yeah. Two to go. It's pretty good. Two to go. Pretty good. Yeah. I think we're doing okay. I don't know. Folks at home, what do you think? Let us know in the comments. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at cover two cover live. That's the number two. Cover two cover live. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, have a great week. See you guys next week. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Matt. If this thing was really live, we'd be so screwed. <laughs> See, and I feel like this is the difference between you and me is like, this is why people listen to the show. Yes, because we're foils for one another. <laughs> exactly. They just, just You keep me from being way too serious and I keep you from going completely off the rails. Do you? <laughs> Sometimes. Do you? Are you sometimes sure? I, sometimes I like a good crash. Are you but... sure about that, son? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> sure.